0: everybody, welcome to Calvary. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship. Oh, what an incredible moment of worship we just had. That was such a blessing to be a part of. Uh, Whether you are joining us here in the room, or in our chapel, or from our Minnetonka campus, or if you're joining us from anywhere else in the world online, we are so excited that you are here and that we have this opportunity to come together and worship the Lord, so welcome. My name is Dogney, and I am one of the pastors here at Calvary. And at this point in the service, I wanna take a brief moment to talk about the incredible opportunity that we have to partner with God in his mission through the giving of our tithes and offerings. We serve an incredibly generous God and believe that we are called to reflect that generosity and abundance by giving and investing into the work that he is doing in Calvary and in the world. So if you brought a gift with you this morning that you would like to invest into God's mission, uh, thank you. We certainly would not be able to lean into our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus without your commitment to that same mission. So you can drop off your gifts in the box outside of the worship space, or you can always give online at calvary.org give. And again, we're just so excited to be partnering with you in that way. Now, if you have been joining us for the past several weeks, you know that we are in the middle of our sermon series called Follower. In this series, we've been taking a closer look at what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus and how being a disciple means something more than just being a fan or being an admirer. In this day and age, it has become incredibly easy to follow someone. And that word comes with a whole set of modern connotations. Whether on different social media platforms like Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, or by subscribing to different news outlets or podcasts, it's easy to follow along with someone's life and advice. We basically just have to click a button and watch. When we do that though, we're typically acting as surface level consumers, content to watch a video or read a post, but the investment tends to stop there. And the reality is that many of us tend to adopt the same kind of following when it comes to Jesus. And so the goal of this series is to help each one of us understand that Christ calls us to something entirely different when he says the words, follow me. Being a follower or a disciple of Jesus is a growing experience and relationship. Disciples are meant to stay connected with one another and exist in community. Disciples are called to serve as Christ served. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Dan reminded us that disciples are called to be saturated in God's word. And last week, Pastor Zach reminded us the significance of our call to pray. We've been answering the question, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And today, I wanna take a look at yet another answer that the Lord offers us. Go and make disciples. If you have your Bibles with you, or if you have a Bible app on your phone or on your tablet, turn with me to the end of Matthew's Gospel. We're gonna be looking at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, which is known as the Great Commission. Now just for a little context, this commission comes after Jesus' resurrection. He was crucified, he defeated death, and rose again, and here we see him in Galilee with his disciples, giving his final instructions before ascending to sit at God's right hand. And this is what he says. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now if you're anything like me, this raises a few questions. Even the two simple words that I wanna focus on today, go and make, spark a little bit of panic, maybe some confusion. I have questions like, go where? Or uh, the questions pile up when I think about what it means to make a disciple when I'm still figuring out how to be one myself. So for the rest of our time together today, I think it would be helpful to break down this great commission and focus on what Jesus means and intends when he tells us, his disciples, to go and make more disciples. So first, Jesus says, go. When we hear this call to go to the nations, we might think first of missionaries, who for centuries have answered the call to pick up their lives and move to a different country to preach the gospel, build schools, train pastors, and have their boots firmly on the ground in the nations. I think of my family members who lived as missionaries in Turkey for many years and only just returned to the United States earlier this year. Or I think of some friends of mine who have built and developed a beautiful organization in Haiti that focuses on training young Haitian pastors in order that they can bring the gospel to their towns and villages, as well as electrical grids and schools and clean water systems. And of course, there are many examples of missionaries in scripture. I first think of Paul, who brought the gospel to places like Cyprus and Galatia and Syria, just to name a few. Now don't worry, I'm not here today to tell you that each one of us is called to uproot our lives and move to somewhere like Turkey or Cyprus or Syria or some other far off country. But I am here to tell you that each and every single one of us is called to go in a very proactive sense. Jesus didn't say some of you should go, but most of you can stay home and ignore this part. He didn't say this group should go, but this group over here, it's fine if they stay and never, say anybody, and never tell anybody anything about me. No, Jesus instructs each person who calls him or herself a disciple to go. We're called to go to our families, our friends and our neighbors, our communities and our schools. Just because we aren't missionaries in some far off land doesn't mean we're off the hook or that we should ignore Christ's instruction to go and share the good news about what he's done. We have the best news, the news of Christ's triumph over sin and death, the news that we are redeemed and saved by his blood and that we are freely offered grace and mercy by God the Father. And not only are we called to go, we get to go and share this incredible news with everyone that we meet and what a gift that is. Something else I wanna point out about Jesus' call to go is that this is a proactive instruction. We are told to go and to go now. Unfortunately, we have the tendency to get caught up in our own lives, schedules, jobs, and families. We have the tendency to prioritize things like our income and our travel schedule, our grades, or our reputation. So when it comes to going, like Jesus tells us to, we are all too comfortable with saying, I'll do it later, someone else will do it, or I just don't have the time. Or perhaps you tried this whole going thing You approached your friend or your neighbor and you shared the good news of Jesus and what he has done for you, only to have it backfire, not work, or strain a relationship. And so for you, when it comes to going, your first thought is, I am not doing that again. Or we may have the tendency to not believe God when he tells us that we don't have to clean up our act before responding faithfully to him. Even as we prioritize our schedules and our reputations, I think we also tend to believe that we aren't good enough Christians to do what Christ is asking of us. Or we think that there are others who might be more qualified or more up to the task of responding to God's call. For example, my whole life, my whole life, even now, I have worried that I am too young and too inexperienced to go and share this good news. I worry that I may not be taken seriously because of my age, because of the mistakes that I've made in the past, and even because my ability to think on my feet and respond to difficult questions is inconsistent at best, and absent altogether at worst. I very often need to be reminded that I have not been asked to get it together first, to study a little harder first, or even to wait until I'm a little bit older. Nowhere in his commission does Jesus say, go, but first you need to make some more money. Go, but we can work around your schedule. He never says go, it's going to be the easiest thing in the world go, but first you need to know every detail of Christian history and theology so that you get it right. And church, he certainly doesn't say, go, but only when other people tell you you're good enough. Instead, he says, go. Like it's the beginning of a race. There is urgency in this go. There is immediacy and importance. Jesus says, go and you are equipped because I say you are. In the verse immediately ahead of the words go and make, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. How empowering and miraculous is it that the thing that Christ does with his power and authority is that he sends you. He sends me, he sends we who are his disciples to go to our families and communities and neighborhoods and nations. He even takes it one step further and finishes this commission by saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We are not promised that this going will be easy that this going will be convenient, or even that this going will be all that safe. In fact, many of the disciples and the first missionaries were met with persecution, imprisonment, and even death. And while I pray that we do not face such things, we will likely be met with discouragement, failure, maybe tension in our relationships, maybe mockery about what we believe but Christ has sent us with his authority and promised that he goes with us. He does not send us blindly into the night with a pat on the back and a quick good luck. No, we are promised that he goes with us every step of the way. The second part of this commission is that Jesus tells us to make disciples. We were first told to go, and now we're told what to do when we get there. Now I know what some people in here are thinking. I have barely figured out this disciple thing for myself. How am I possibly supposed to make more disciples or teach others how to be one when I am still working out the points from the sermon series? And it makes sense that we ask the question, how could I do this? Because it is a big ask. It's easy to be overwhelmed and unsure about how to proceed, but we have not been left in the dark. We have not been left without the answer and without the tool, because we have been given Jesus Christ. You see, it was Jesus who first called and made disciples. Jesus who first taught about the kingdom of God and fed the multitudes. It was Jesus who first loved the unlovable, touched the unclean, and forgave the unforgivable. One of my favorite passages from scripture describes the evening that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. The story comes from the Gospel of John, and after he washed their feet, it says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In this one moment, Jesus lowered himself to the position of a slave. He demonstrated love, sacrifice, forgiveness, and truth, and then looked at his disciples and said, follow this example. In this one act, Jesus demonstrated a life of invitation, of mercy, and love, and grace, and then instruct us to do the same. There's another well-known verse in scripture that speaks of imitating Christ. It comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he says, you are to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now I often hear this phrase and think that Paul might think a little too highly of himself sometimes, but I appreciate and understand what he's getting at. He is seeking to mirror Christ's actions, imitating that life of service and preaching and sacrifice, all for the purpose of glorifying God and answering that call to make disciples. As I said before, it makes sense that we ask the question, how? Disciples have been asking this question from the very moment they received the Great Commission, and God in his mercy left us with examples of Christ's patience and teaching and healing We even have examples of this kind of imitation in action recorded through the accounts of the early church in scripture. And we are told to go and do likewise. Simple, right? Of course it's not simple. Jesus was sinless, fully God and fully man, with all authority in heaven and on earth. He loved perfectly forgave perfectly, healed perfectly, and we are broken, sinful human beings. What a gift to have Christ as an example, but how are we supposed to do any of that? I hope it doesn't come as any surprise that God took care of that part too. You see, not only have we been shown what to do through the life of Christ, but we have also been given the tool to go and do it. In John's Gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. And in the book of Acts, we see this promise become a reality because after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We do not go and make disciples by our own strength, will, or determination. We are empowered to do these things by the Holy Spirit who was sent by God as our helper and counselor and guide. Without God's spirit, we wouldn't have it in us, but with the Holy Spirit that has been given as our partner, we are transformed into God's vessels. The hands and feet of Christ on earth with the power and authority to preach, speak truth, love our neighbors and our enemies, and share the good news that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, and we are invited to call God Father. Many of us have experienced this in our lives. And now we are being asked to share what we have seen. Now this sharing doesn't always come naturally or easily. It can be nerve-wracking, and it takes a lot of patience and practice. It takes intentionality. It takes asking the question this week, today, and every day, what if someone asked me about my faith? what would I say? Can I give a two-minute testimony of what God has done in my life? Can I answer the basic questions, who is Jesus, or why do you believe in him? Or perhaps a better question is, can I recognize when the door to those conversations is open? It takes practice. And I encourage you to practice even this week because practice makes permanent. Practice builds confidence in this, just like in everything else. And it also takes practice to remember that the outcome of these conversations does not rest on our shoulders, but with the power of the Holy Spirit and his movement through us. Someone once said to me, we are God's best idea for spreading the news of Jesus. And while at face value that statement seems a little bold, I think it's true. There are countless studies that show that word of mouth marketing is wildly more effective and successful than any other forms, and the same basic principle applies here. Christ has been given all power and all authority, all power, all authority, to make disciples however he sees fit and he sends us. It is by his authority that we are equipped. By his authority that we are transformed, prepared and empowered by the Holy Spirit which has been given to us to go and make disciples in his name, teach them what Christ first taught us, share our personal experiences of redemption and forgiveness, and baptize new believers as a public declaration of faith. This commission isn't an afterthought or a last ditch effort. We are God's best idea. And instead of letting that reality intimidate us, we get to rest in the knowledge that Christ goes with us and the spirit dwells inside us as we take the steps forward to go and make disciples of all nations. The only part that rests on us is whether or not we say, yes, Lord. Now I imagine there are some of us here today who are pretty fired up right now about this commission that we have been given. I believe that there are people here today who will leave this place with this call to make disciples weighing heavily and warmly on our hearts who will seek every opportunity to go and do so, I believe there are many people here saying yes, Lord. I also believe that there are many of us here today who will go and the stresses of life, the busyness of our schedules will come flooding back and we will forget that Jesus tells us to go now. And we will forget that we have been given the example to follow and the spirit to empower. We will leave here and still ask the question, how can I possibly go and do that even though the answer is right in front of us? And truthfully, I think both of those groups need to hear the words from Matthew six, verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I want to read that one more time because I don't want anybody to miss it. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Church, we do not store up treasures in heaven by making more money. We do not store up treasures in heaven by seeking to be busier than our friends, by taking more trips, by making sure we're the best at our sport or the best in our company. We don't store up treasures in heaven by studying theology a little harder, or even by being particularly good teachers, learners, or preachers when it comes to the gospel. We store up treasure in heaven by faithfully following the call by the one who is already seated there to go and make disciples by following his example. To not keep the best news to ourselves, to bring others into the fold, to teach them of Christ's love and sacrifice, to go now with the power and authority that we have been given to show others the way there, just as Jesus did. It's not a secret. There is no puzzle to put together or riddle to solve. As disciples of Christ, we are told to go and make more disciples. And we have been given the perfect example to follow and the perfect helper to equip us. And most of all, Jesus promises that he will be with us as we do so, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the ways that you call us to be your hands and your feet the ways that you prepare us and equip us and send us out into the world. And Lord, we thank you that you do not send us out alone, but that you send us with one another, with the Holy Spirit, and that you yourself walk with us. God, help us to respond faithfully to this call to go and make disciples, even as we are still learning what it means to follow you for ourselves. God, forgive us for the ways that we have worked so hard only to store up treasure here on earth. Turn our eyes and our hearts instead to you and the treasures in heaven. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to show us the way. Help us to share that good news with those around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name.